Hey kids, it's time for another Just Another Fanboy Classic episode. Today's entry is episode number seven, which was originally published on Wednesday, October the 11th, 2006. And frankly, I don't have a lot to say about it. So this is about all you're going to get from me that is outside of the original episode. But here's the thing. I do have one little tidbit to share with you before we start. This episode sees the first time my wife appeared on the show. Can you pick her out? Enjoy! You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, the most important podcast in all of human history. Just Another Fanboy is a Lynx Broadcasting production. Just like a comic book! Just like a comic Welcome to episode number seven of Just Another Fanboy. This episode was recorded from the comfort of my own living room on October 10th, 2006, and sometimes just likes a good scratch on the belly. I'm your host, Stephen Two Chins and I've been brought to this place by beings of unknown origins to do what I do best, and that's just to generally rock the house. This week, we come at you like a truckload of drunken clowns. We got your regular news and picks, your low-rent fanboy tip of the week, the view from Norman, Oklahoma, and much, much more. So no more dilly-dallying, no more beating around the bush, no more sending crap up the flagpole and waiting for hours, days, or weeks to see who might happen to walk by and take a moment out of their busy day to salute the thing. So let's get on with it already. Just what am I waiting for? What's with all this wasting time stuff that's going on? Why can't I just dig in and start the show already? Give me a break! It's difficult to stretch these things to 30 minutes each week. First off the block, I want to dedicate this show to faithful listener Josh. I've worked with Josh for eight and a half years, and when I told him I was doing a podcast, this sick little monkey actually started downloading episodes, and he listens each week. Well, last Friday marked his last day working with the company he and I have both pretended to work for over the last decade, and I would bounce show ideas off of him. I'm sure the quality of this show will drop dramatically starting with this episode. Now I want to announce the winner of the first ever At the Movies with Gary Indiana game. I tried to teach you how to handle comics in the sixth grade, but no, you wanted to play Little League instead. That line came from the Kevin Smith movie Mallrats. Chris from somewhere in Canada was the first to respond with the correct answer. Congratulations, Chris. Your prize should be on its way. This segues very nicely into this week's email, as Chris had some nice things to say about the show. So, on to listener's email. And Chris had this wonderful thing to say. Norman, Oklahoma is one of the funniest bits in comic podcasts, especially the duet with Gary, Indiana. Definitely enjoying the show. Thanks, Chris. You know, it's kind wait, of an wait, odd wait, feeling. Wait, that, wait, 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 wait. What's that supposed to mean, bit? What? That fella, Chris. He said that Norman, Oklahoma is one of the funniest bits in comic podcasts. What the flying fecal matter is that supposed to mean? I, I think it just means that he thinks you're funny. Funny? Funny? Now, why the heck would he consider me funny? I ain't no clown. I ain't one of these comedians you find all over the darn TV standing up by themselves on a stage trying to make people laugh. I am a serious person who tries to put across a serious point of view each week. Now, why is that considered funny? Well, before I answer that, Norman, maybe you can answer a question for me. What's your topic this week? 
What's that got to do with anything? Just humor me. What are you planning on talking about this week on The View from Norman, Oklahoma? Well, I plan to speak my piece about those nasty sons of biscuits who like to wipe their boogers on public bathroom walls. Okay, then. Case closed. This next comment... Wait, 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 wait a minute. What's so darn funny about people that wipe their boogers on public restroom walls? Well... <laughs> nothing, Norman, nothing at all. Well, then, you could kiss my sweet tuckus. I'll be out back until my segment comes up. Okay, then. Norman, Oklahoma will, of course, be back later in the show to talk about boogers. This next comment comes not from an email, but is actually a comment posted on a message board in regards to last week's episode. That would be episode number six. This comment comes from Penny Lane from Parts Unknown, and Penny Lane says, I'm only about a minute in, and I'm already laughing. Nice job. Thanks. Now I am one step closer to world domination. And now for news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. This week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort is brought to you by the following public service announcement about the pitfalls of posting on message boards. Hi, my name is Steven, and I'm an internet message board post whore. It started out simply enough, a few long-winded replies here and there to threads that I knew nothing about. It was fun. I didn't think it could hurt me. Soon I found myself replying to many threads with meaningless remarks like, Cool, or That sucks. It wasn't long before I sank even lower. I woke one morning to find myself lying on my keyboard. I couldn't remember the night before, but as I checked the boards, I noticed that I had replied to every single thread that had ever been posted. It was even worse than that, though. I found that I had sunk to using acronyms. All my replies were nothing more than LOL or LMAO or even ROF LMAO. I couldn't believe my eyes. I needed help, and I soon found it with PWA, Postors Anonymous. They helped me in ways that I will never forget. Please, if you find that you're a post whoring, get help. Call PWA. If they could help me, they can help anyone. If you don't get help with PWA, get help somewhere. Best-selling author Greg Hurwitz, the writer behind The Kill Clause and Last Shot, will be revamping Fool Killer for the Marvel Max line. Hurwitz is bringing his gritty, street-crime writing sensibilities to the hard-edged anti-hero Fool Killer for a five-issue miniseries this winter. The sneak preview of the series can be seen this Wednesday when the Max sampler hits stands. According to Newsarama.com, Alias Comics has announced that they will be changing their publishing plan, this time to focus their efforts in and around the Christian market. A full listing of which titles will stay with Alias and which will be looking for new publishers was not made immediately available. IDW Publishing is pleased to announce the return of Star Trek to the realm of comic books. The legendary science fiction franchise that spans six television series, ten motion pictures, and hundreds of novels celebrates its 40th anniversary by naming IDW Publishing as the source for all new Star Trek comic book voyages. IDW's plans for the Star Trek franchise and comics are far-reaching and will unfold over the next few months. The first Star Trek miniseries will debut in January 2007 in conjunction with the 20th anniversary of Star Trek The Next Generation. Captain Jean-Luc Picard and the crew of the USS Enterprise, NCC-1701D, return with an all-new adventure that will span the Next Generation timeline. The six-issue miniseries, Star Trek The Next Generation, The Space Between, 
begins by setting the scene during the first year of the Enterprise D's mandated mission to explore strange new worlds, seek out new life and new civilizations, boldly going where no one has gone before. At the helm of this first venture is writer David Tishman, who is joined by artist Casey Maloney. Artists Dennis Calero and Zach Howard will provide 50-50 covers for the first issue. But that's just the beginning. IDW Publishing will be producing additional Star Trek titles with a new line of comic book projects in the rich tradition of 40 years of science fiction excellence. At the end of, the, at the end of Civil War No. 4, the comics world saw the shocking formation of a brand new team of Thunderbolts, comprised of some of the most evil supervillains in the Marvel Universe. But these aren't the only new members of the team. Starting with Thunderbolts number 110, Warren Ellis and Mike Diodato will be coming on board to tell the story of this all-new, all-deadly squad. Venom, lethal protector. The enigmatic Moonstone. Bullseye, the man who never misses. Songbird, mistress of sound. Chen Lu, the radioactive man. Swordsman, master of the blade. The mystery man called Penance. And Norman Osborn, the green goblin. They're America's newest celebrities, ready to take to the skies at a moment's notice in pursuit of those secret, unregistered superhumans hiding among us. They're the all-new, all-deadly Thunderbolts, making the world a safer place for ordinary people, one, one would-be costumed hero at a time. In the wake of Civil War, Warren Ellis and Mike Diodato present a dark and disturbing take on Marvel's Most Wanted, where the line between hero and villain is difficult to find, if it, is, it exists at all. Love and Capes, Tom Zaylor's acclaimed heroically super situation comedy comic book is coming back, just in time for the holidays. Love and Capes number two will be available for advanced order through Diamond Comics Previews Catalog in October to be in stores just before Christmas. Love and Capes number two is 24 full-color pages of holiday fun that combines the witty dialogue and unique art style that made Love and Capes number one such a hit with critics and fans alike. Prior to the, re to the release of this second issue, Tom Zaylor is giving fans a chance to become better acquainted with his characters by making Love and Capes number one available in its entirety at www.loveandcapes.com for a limited time. Look for Love and Capes number two in Preview's October catalog. Love and Capes number two will officially debut at Mid-Ohio Con November 25th and 26th and arrives in stores nationwide in time for Christmas. Civil War is going to get a taste of the Incredible in the pages of Incredible Hulk number 100 as the seeds are planted for next year's epic World War Hulk. The milestone centennial issue of Incredible Hulk will feature a backup story penned by Greg Pak with pencils by Gary Frank, bringing to readers a very important Civil War story that examines whether the Illuminati was justified in banishing the Hulk into space. Plus, learn more about the Thor clone that debuted in Civil War number 3 and killed Goliath in Civil War number 4. Not only will this Hulk-sized issue contain an important Civil War backup story and reprints of The Incredible Hulk number 3, number 143, and number 152, but this issue continues the instant classic Planet Hulk story as the next chapter, Planet Hulk Allegiance, begins. A mere two weeks before the second issue of its fledgling run hits the stands, Image Comics is announcing a complete sellout of Manny Tremblay and Eric A. Anderson's Sam Noir, Samurai Detective number 1. Sam Noir tells the story of Sam, a masterless samurai who works as a private detective. Hired to follow a woman named Jasmine, he falls in love even though he has never spoken a single word to her. When she is murdered before his eyes, he embarks on a quest to find her killer and avenge his love. 
In movie news, Variety is reporting that Academy Award-nominated actor Terrence Howard is confirmed to play Jim Rhodes alongside Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark in the big-screen adaptation of the Marvel comic Iron Man. This week on DVD sees the release of The A-Team Season 5, Scrubs Season 4, and Three's Company Season 8. And that was your news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. And now for my comic book picks of the week. This week from DC, 52, number 23, written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. Breakdowns by Keith Giffen, art by Various, backup features by Wade and Various, covers by J.G. Jones. The story of the year continues in four more chapters of America's only weekly superhero adventure. In this issue... Look what these monsters did to your brother, Isis. They deserve a slow death, plucked apart like the insects they are. Plus the origin of Wildcat by Wade and Jerry Ordway. 52. A year without Superman. A year without Batman. A year without Wonder Woman. But not a year without heroes. Green Arrow number 67, written by Judd Winnick, art and cover by Scott McDaniel and Andy Owens. Still on the island, recovering from his wounds, Green Arrow and company are attacked by some of the world's most deadly mercenaries. Will this destroy Ollie's plans to return to and save Star City? And if not, who will remain by his side? And this week for Marvel, Wolverine Origins number 7, written by Daniel Way, art by Steve Dillon, cover by Joe Quesada. During the Cold War, Logan, along with Team X, performed several secret missions inside Russia, one of which was the sabotage of Russia's fledgling super-soldier program and the destruction of the program's result— in particular, the psychotic cyborg known as Omega Red. Logan's memory of this mission has only recently returned to him, but Omega Red has thought of nothing else ever since. It is time for some payback. And that was my comic book, Picks of the Week. Remember, you still have the opportunity to change Stephen's mind. Because I'm just not down with the indie books. Actually, I should say my wallet's not down with the indie books. But if you have an indie book that you love that you'd like me to read, well, email me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com and try to sell your recommendation. If you can sell it, then I'll drop a book I'm currently getting and pick up your indie instead. So remember, change even And now the low-rent fanboy tip of the week. If you got the money, I've got the time. We'll go honky talking and we'll have a time. We'll make all the nice spots, dance, drink beer and wine. If you got the money, honey, I've got the time. 
Way back in episode number two, I took it upon myself to try and help out my fellow comic fans who, like me, didn't make a lot of money and couldn't spend a lot each month on comics and yet wanted to read all that they wanted to. So I started the Low Rent Fanboy Tip of the Week. Sadly, it looks as if I don't really have that much advice in me as five episodes later, I'm all out. So this week, I thought we'd take a look back and review the previous tips. Tip number one, order your books online. So you're online, right? I mean, you gotta be. You downloaded this glorious bit of audio goodness. So if you're online, then you can take advantage of the online subscription services out there. There are a couple of great ones out there that I know of, MailOrderComics.com and DCBService.com. These are online stores where you order your comics a few months in advance, just like your local comic book store. Both of these services will save you about 35 to 40% off cover price. And sure, you still have to pay shipping and handling, but I can tell you that I save 20 to 30 bucks each and every month going this route. Check the places out and see which one is best for you. Tip number two, know your library. Did you know that most public libraries now carry graphic novels and trade paperbacks? Neither did I until just a year ago. Thanks to the library, I've been able to go back and read most of the books I've missed out on due to an empty wallet. Get a library card. You won't be sorry. Tip number three, stop buying so many books. Okay, this is a simple one. There seems to be a multitude of fanboys out there who purchase tons of book, books each week, so many that most of them pile up and are left unread for months. Then these same fanboys piss and moan over how much money they have to spend on these books. If you can't really afford them, then don't buy them. I know it's hard. I really do. I've been there. But sometimes you just got to say no. Tip number four, use the Internet. Now, please don't take this statement to think that I'm condoning the illegal download of comics, because I don't condone it. What I mean is that there are a ton of sites out there that offer info and story information on all your favorite books. Use the Internet to research and catch up on all the backstories you've missed. You'll be happier for it. Trust me. Tip number five, share your comics. Get some friends together who are in the same pickle as you. Pool your money and buy all the books you want. I would recommend determining ahead of time, however, who gets to keep the books. And those are all of your low-rent fanboy tips. Remember, if you have any tips of your own, please share them with me by writing to justanotherfanboy at gmail.com, and I'll include them in an upcoming episode. Like next week, because I ain't got no no more of my own. And now for At the Movies with Gary Indiana. Gary is going to recite some dialogue from one of his favorite movies, and your job is to write in and tell us what movie it is. If you're the first to write in with the correct answer, you will win a $10 gift certificate from iTunes. This week, Gary is joined by Norman's baby sister, Enid, Oklahoma. And now, At the Movies with Gary, Indiana. I fear I'll never see you again. Of course you will. But what if something happens to you? Hear this now. I will come for you. But how can you be sure? This is true love. You think this happens every day? Do you think you know the movie? Email us here at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com with your answer.
This week on Heroes, a spoilerific look at the latest episode of Heroes on NBC. The ultimate Japanese fanboy hero uses a comic book he took from five weeks into the future to talk his friend into going to New York with him to help him save the city. How does a comic book help? Well, it's written and drawn by Isaac, the artist who paints the future when he's all doped up on heroin. And the issue that Hero has actually shows him having the exact conversation with his friend about going to New York. His friend isn't convinced until Hero takes him outside where, according to the comic, a little girl is about to be run over by a truck in the street. Just before it happens, Hero stops time and saves the girl, as well as convincing his friend. They soon set out for New York. We see a little Isaac in this episode, which is to say, not much. His girl breaks up with him and runs straight into the arms of Peter. Speaking of Peter, his brother Nathan, the one who can fly and is running for Congress, holds a press conference and tells the city that the reason that Peter jumped off the building was because he is suffering from depression and that it was a suicide attempt. Needless to say, Peter ain't none too happy and socks old Nathan in the jaw. Nikki buries the two dead mob dudes in the desert. While digging, she comes across a skeleton with a skull ring, which she takes to her mother-in-law. It seems as if her husband is on the run for killing some members of his crew, all of which wear a skull ring just like the one Nikki took off the skeleton. Later in the episode, she is pulled over by a cop working for the head mob guy, and he takes Nikki and her son away. Meanwhile, Matt, the telepathic cop, convinces the FBI agent who arrested him that he can read minds. She takes him to talk to the little girl he saved to see if she can he, see if he can pick something out of her head, because she sure ain't talking. They arrive to find that Siler, the patient Zero, who I think has all the same powers of the heroes combined, has come to kill the little girl. He uses some sort of mind-over-matter thing to force the FBI lady to put her gun to her head, but before he can make her pull the trigger, Matt fills him full of lead. Siler just gets back up and flies away. Claire is killed when the quarterback tries to rape her at a homecoming party. When she resists him, he pushes her and she falls to the ground and has a large stick pierce her head. She wakes on an autopsy table after the stick is taken out of her head and she finds that the entire chest has been opened up and we see all her organs and various other yucky type stuff. Mohinder, in the meantime, and his new lady friend find a diary that his dad has left behind, and they use it to track down Siler's apartment where they find all kinds of weird stuff, including a message scrawled on the wall that says, Forgive me. They get the cops to come to the place, and when they show back up to show the cops, oh my god, everything is gone. And that was this week on Heroes. Next week, according to NBC.com slash Heroes, the world becomes a bit smaller when the heroes start coming together. Ooh. And don't miss the online comic on NBC.com slash heroes. This week's installment is written by Chuck Kim with art by Marcus Toe. And now, the view from Norman, Oklahoma. The View from Norman, Oklahoma, a weekly segment in which our resident bitter old fanboy pisses and moans regarding the world of comics, or just anything that generally pisses him off. Ladies and gentlemen, Norman, Oklahoma. Now, the other day at work, I Wait, wait, get... hold on, hold on. Work? You work? You bet your fanny I work. Why wouldn't I work? Well, for starters, you're 157 years old. And? Well, uh... Shouldn't you be retired or something? I mean, these are your golden years, after all. Just because I'm old, I shouldn't work. I'm a fit man. I can work. Fine, fine, okay. So what do you do, anyway? I'm an operator at a call center. An operator at a call center. Look, 
Can I do my segment already? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. Anyway, the other day at work, I get that all-over feeling that you get when your body is telling you that it's time to evacuate your bowels. So I grab a comic book and head off to the restroom closest to my desk. I find the place occupied and know there are empty stalls available. I leave because I just can't make myself poop when someone else is in the room. Anyway, I trek down to the hallway to the other bathroom, find it pleasantly empty, and enter a stall. I'm only two pages into my comic when my nose starts to run and I realize that a really good blow might be in order. Now, being a civilized person, I reach for some paper from the toilet paper dispenser to blow my nose upon. And that's when I see it. Affixed to the wall, just mere inches from the dispenser, is a large glob of dried up boogers. Why do people do this? I see this in practically every public restroom I have ever used. And not just in the sit-down stalls, but at the urinals as well. I suppose I could play devil's advocate and try to understand the guy who is standing at a urinal. He's absently giving the outside of his nostril a good scratch, which naturally develops into giving the inside of his nostril a good scratch. Which then involves into him standing there, two knuckles deep, giving his nose a well-deserved pick. Next thing he knows, he's got a great big bit of snot stuck to the end of his index finger, and he has no place to put it. What does he do in this situation? His pants are open, he has one hand on his, well, thingy, and the other is currently being used as a booger stand. It's difficult to fasten one's fly with one hand, and he doesn't really want to walk over to the paper towel dispenser with this thingy hanging out. So he's left with one option. Wiping the booger on the wall. Okay, I get that. However, why can't he go back after he's zipped and washed and use a paper towel or some toilet paper to wipe that darn thing off the wall? Well, let's play devil's advocate once more and assume that he was grabbing the paper towel. Someone else came into the bathroom and is now standing at the very same booger-stained urinal stall that our friend just recently vacated. And he's too embarrassed to admit to being the one who painted the wall with snot and instead flees. Again, I get that. What I don't get is the guy sitting in a stall with a door and a toilet paper dispenser and still feels the need to wipe his nose nugget on the wall. I've even seen some boogers on the door. You can't reach the door from the toilet, so obvious somebody is flicking them onto the door. We're talking booger projectiles here, people. Anyway, that just pisses me off. That's all I got to say. Adios. I'm out of here. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Norman, Oklahoma, for that insightful look into public restrooms in corporate America. And that ends our episode for the week. Remember, if you'd like to write in and tell me how much you love the show, because you know you do, shoot me an email at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. And don't forget to register and post at the Just Another Fanboy message board at pythonland.com slash fanboy. The theme song for the show is Comic Book by the Super Spies. Find it and information about the band at garageband.com. The rest of the music from this week's episode comes from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. And so now I leave you with my final thought of the week. You can't milk a cow if you ain't got no turtles. See you next week.
Bye, Daddy. Bye, bye, Daddy. Good job. Yay.